Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. You know that when you're under pressure, your faith is forced out into the open and it shows its true colors. What's inside is going to come out. And we have to choose as believers in Christ how that comes out. How are we going to express the pressure that we're under? How are we going to expand? We hope you find this message encouraging. All of us deal with stress. We get under pressure sometimes. Any of you feeling pressure right now in your life? Amen? Pressure, stress, a, a reasonable amount of stress is necessary to live the human life. It has been proven through the ages that if we don't have any stress, if we don't have to do anything, that we don't function well. We don't perform like we're supposed to. We just kind of lay around and get lazy and not do anything. So a certain amount of stress is necessary. But it's whenever that stress gets a little too much that sometimes we don't handle it well. Sometimes it comes out ways that it shouldn't. But there are so many things in life that... Uh, we have responsibilities, we have responsibility at home, we have responsibility on our jobs, we have responsibility socially, things that we're expected to do, and sometimes that gets a little overwhelming, we have deadlines to make, we have bills to pay that sometimes there's not enough to go around, sometimes we have to kind of juggle, I got to pay this one because it's due first and this one can wait and all that kind of stuff, we have expectations that, that sometimes don't get met and Sometimes it just seems like there's a lot of things that pull at us and create a lot of stress. And as I was talking about, oh gosh, maybe a month ago now (laughs) is when I started this message. It's what to do when you're under pressure. What do we do when we're under pressure? And uh, my example was this, and I talked about, I was going to bring in a can of spray foam. Any of y'all ever fool with spray foam? Great for filling in cracks and everything. So, uh, only problem is sometimes it expands a little too much. Uh, I'll never forget when I was building a house years ago, and I had that thing insulated to the nth degree. Fact is, if you can believe it, it is possible to insulate a house too well. I'll tell you about that some other time. But I mean, every window, every door, everything, man. I've, and so it was summertime, so I had the doors and windows open and had the front door of the house open. There was this crack around it. So I just fill that thing up. Well, whenever I went to leave, I pulled the door to and it just went bonk against the frame of the door. And I thought, what's up with that? You know, I thought something was in, on the threshold or whatever. So I looked and there's nothing there. Bonk. And lo and behold, that stuff had expanded to the point that it pushed the casing in, and I couldn't shut the door. I had to take a knife and cut it back out so I could leave. And uh, so sometimes uh, spray foam gets a little carried away. So I was going to bring in a can of spray foam and have something up here where I could, you know, and do the spray foam and let it be expanding during the, during the sermon. And then I thought, is that really the way I want to ruin the carpet on the platform? So I decided to opt for air. And as I shared with you, be careful with this stuff because it is flammable. Uh, I, I shared with it for those of you that were here that day uh, at the church up in Kentucky where we came from. We had, the sanctuary was long. It was about 100 feet long and about 45 feet this way. 
So everybody in the sanctuary, we could get 400 people in there easily, and nobody was more than about 45 feet away from the platform. So it's just a unique style, but it creates problems in and of itself. We couldn't deal with just one uh, screen. Ceiling height was a little bit pressure on us, and the width, everybody would have a hard time seeing from the side. So we actually went with two screens, one on this side, one on this side. And uh, this screen over here just one day decided it wasn't going to work. And hey, it had been up a while, no problem. I'll get up there Monday and (laughs) clean out the little screen. And looks like it's going to work. I turn it on, everything's great. Next Sunday morning, about 15 minutes into the song service, it goes down. So everybody's having to look at one screen on the other side of the church. So I get up there and clean it again. Finally, after about three Sundays, the third Monday, I pull that sucker down out of the ceiling. Took it in the office. I'm going to cure this. I'm going to find something wrong with this. And so I get it down, and, and it's on the table in there in the office, and I'm... It's working. Well, it quit. So I, I, I look at it. I've got a flashlight out. I've got covers off of it and everything. Don't see anything wrong with it. And so I finally said, well, hey, you know, it comes back up. It's working again. So I just get down there and I'm, I am going after it. I, the, the projector bulb is on. And about that time, I'm so glad I was bent down like this. I don't have much hair, but what I got, I'd like to keep. But about that time, it goes, Poof! and I mean, it makes a fireball about four foot wide. And I'm like, well, it wasn't working anyway. <laughs> I let it cool off, and sucker comes on and never gave another minute's problem. So sometimes it's not because you see the light, but because you felt the heat. Amen. So <laughs> as I was sharing that the last time when I started this message, and somebody came up and was telling me, I won't, I, uh, they didn't tell me I could share it and I didn't ask, but I'll just tell the details of it, not, not the, the fine details. But they were talking about, said they had a place that they used some spray foam on it. It just happened to be in their utility room. And they filled up a big hole. And about that time, the gas water heater came on and poof, and was flaming up the wall. So be careful with that stuff. But here's the thing. My whole point in this is, that sometimes we get under pressure. And whenever we get under pressure, what, what wants to happen is it wants to expand. This, this air in this can is under pressure. And what happens is there's a little bitty valve that opens up and the air expands to get out. Now sometimes, if we're under pressure... And the wrong little trigger can happen, and it expands, and it just gets all over everybody in the room. Maybe we holler, maybe we're angry, maybe we say something we shouldn't have said. Nobody's ever been there, huh? <laughs> I think it happens to everybody. And so what we got to do is look at when we're under pressure, when we got all these things going on, all these responsibilities, all these expectations, all these stressors, bills that sometimes maybe we got to juggle the bills and all that kind of stuff, what happens is it's going to expand. It's going to come out. We've got to choose how it does. And if we kind of flip the script here, whenever it's going to expand anyway, and we're under pressure, what we've got to do is realize that, well, we'll go with what James says. And he says this, 
For you know that when, this is um, uh, James chapter 1. And it says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Okay, there we go with the expanding theme again. We're under pressure. Our endurance has an opportunity to get bigger. Your patience is tested. If you go back to the King James or the New King James. I like how it reads in the message translation, this same verse. It says, you know that when you're under pressure, your faith is forced out into the open and it shows its true colors. What's inside is going to come out. And we have to choose, as believers in Christ, how that comes out. How are we going to express the pressure that we're under? How are we going to expand? And I started with, last time, with expanding your thinking of God. If it's going to expand anyway, then what we've got to do is expand our thinking of God. Sometimes we don't get the answers we're looking for when we're under pressure, when we're under stress, because of how we're thinking. Sometimes, I've referred to it many, many times as this, sometimes we get stinking thinking. Sometimes we're trying to figure it all out. Sometimes we're using our own wisdom and not relying on the Lord. Sometimes we limit him. He said this to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He said, you have made the word of God of no effect because of your traditions. Because when God's going to answer, he's got to do it this way. Why? Because that's the way I think it's going to be. Because that's the way I prayed it. The longer I've been in this thing, I give God a lot of latitude. Amen? I think it's not wrong for us to communicate what we're thinking. Okay, God, this is the situation I'm in. And this is what I think about it. And this is how I think you're going to answer. But... God, if you've got some way of doing this that I have, that my little finite mind cannot even comprehend, Lord, just show up and show out. So many times anymore, I end my prayers with whatever you think, Lord. Because I know he can think it a lot better than I can think it. Fact is, he's very, very clear in, in the word about it. First Corinthians chapter 2, he says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor Mine, imagine what the Lord has in store for those that love him. And do you get that? No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined. I don't know about anybody else. I've got a big imagination. Sometimes people call ideas silly. Sometimes, I mean, but I, I ponder on things all the time. I'm a thinker. And in my wildest imaginations, it sometimes strikes me, God thinks that's silly. And how small I imagined it. Well, I'm thinking really, really big. He says, don't matter. I'm thinking bigger. Ephesians, he says that he can do abundantly and above anything that we can ask or think. So it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you've imagined, God says, bigger, better, different, to you and me, unimaginable. Why? Because he's in charge of this whole thing. 
And so he put in us the ability to reason. He put in us the ability to think. He put in us the ability to, to figure things out. But sometimes he says, I want to do it different. You remember whenever uh, Lazarus, Mary and Martha's brother, had died. And they sent for Jesus. Jesus, don't you think we ought to get up and go right now because he's really, really sick? Ah, eh, let's hang out a little bit longer. And the disciples were concerned about him, asked about him, and he said, uh, he's asleep. Oh, well, then he's doing great. He's taking a nap. No, 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 no. I mean he's asleep. He's dead. But he goes, gets there, and what was Mary and Martha's response when Jesus arrived? Well, their first thing was, oh, if you'd only been here. Because we know you're a healer. Oh, if you'd only arrived before he took his last breath, Lord. But now he's dead. Both of them had the same response to him. And Jesus says, where did you put him? Well, he's in that tomb over there with a rock in front of the door. We'll roll the stone away. Oh, but Lord, you don't understand. He's stinking by now. I mean, they were pragmatic for sure. Very practical. You don't want to go in there today. It's been four days. Just roll the stone away. And he said, do you believe? Yes, we believe. We, we know you're a healer and all this kind of stuff. And he said, but I am the resurrection and the life. See, up until then, nobody had really gotten up out of a grave. And sometimes, when we're facing a situation, when we are under stress, it's not because God doesn't care. Sometimes we think God doesn't care about where we're at. Have you, like me, ever prayed, God, where are you at right now? I'm going through something, God, and I don't feel you. Where are you? Do you care? I've prayed prayers when it felt like they got about as high as the ceiling and just fell to the floor. God, where are you? And I'm sure that's what Mary and Martha and maybe even Lazarus himself were praying. God, where are you? Jesus, where are you now? And sometimes his silence does not mean that he doesn't care. It means that he's getting ready to reveal another aspect of him that we never knew. Sometimes we give up before the answer comes. Sometimes we stop praying. Sometimes we're like, God, where are you? You're not listening. You don't care. So I'm just walking away. I'm giving it up. But back to what eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor mind has imagined what God has in store. He's able to do abundantly and above anything that we can ask or even think according to that power that works in us. So what we've got to do is expand our thinking. We're thinking it's going to happen like this. We're thinking <clears throat> that it's going to happen a certain, certain way or this certain, certain preacher's got to come and pray for me. Is it God that's the healer or is it the preacher? It's God. 
I mean, I've seen people not disrespecting the fellow at all because God does some stuff through him. But I remember back in the day when people had to get to a Benny Hinn, whatever they called them, conference or uh, crusade, or they weren't going to get healed. Well, is it God that's doing the healing? Or is it Benny Hinn? You know, getting awful quiet on me. Sometimes we, we pin our hopes on the wrong thing or the wrong person. I'll never forget this story as long as I live. There was a preacher that I heard one time, and he was talking about he had, he had gone, and he was preaching a revival at a church back in the day when they did those things. And he said, I got up uh, from a nap one afternoon, and he said, I'm not kidding you. He said, I had the worst headache I've ever had in my life. And he said, so I'm, I'm doing everything I know to do. Took some aspirin, did, did the whole nine yards. And he said, finally, he said, it's time for service. I go into the sanctuary. And he said, I'm, my headache is so bad, I th- I'm feeling nauseous. And he said, so I go down to the front row. And he said, I just laid down on the pew. And I'm like, God, I need, I need your help here. I've got to preach tonight. People are counting on me. I've, I've got to do this. But I can't do it like I'm feeling right now. And he said there was this little boy in the church. His mother was, worked at the church. I don't know if she was a secretary or what. But he had Down syndrome. And he said the whole time he was there that he had on a cowboy hat and two six-shooters, cap guns. He said every time he'd see him, he said he'd go, And he said that little boy came up. He said, I'm laying on the front row of the church and uh, just praying, God, would you get rid of this headache for me? And he said, that little boy comes up. And he said, son, said, you know, this is, this is not the time for that. My head is hurting. Just, you, you know, go play, but just, you know, leave me alone. And he said, little boy said, what's wrong? And he said, I've got this terrible headache. And he said, that little boy pulled off his cowboy hat laid hands on his head, and said, in Jesus' name. He, old brother, his name was Mark. He, old brother Mark, put his cowboy hat back on him. <laughs> and he said, you know, he said it was cute and everything, but he said, you know what happened? He said, my headache was gone. And see, you wouldn't think, you wouldn't see a little Down syndrome boy and say, that's God's answer for me. It might be the person on the side of the road that looks like they are haggard and wearing clothes for the last three days that they still got on, unshaved, unkempt, and they might be the one that prays for you and God works through them. We've got to take away the the framework that we've got on how God works. Every miracle that Jesus ever did, he did in a different way. You read through the Gospels, not one time, not one time, did he do something the same way twice. Why? Because we'd get hung up on how he did it. And we still get hung up on it. We have our little idols we have our little things that we go through, the motions that we go through to, to 
worship God and, and it's got to be this song or it's got to be this way and in, in this place. See, God made it all. There is no limitation with him. You can be standing out in the middle of a 40-acre field. You can be in your car or you can be in a church. And God can still answer your prayers. And so often we get hung up on, it's got to be this way or this person's got to pray for me or it's got to be that. And God's saying, expand your thinking of how I work and where I'm at and what I'm trying to do. See, we try to figure it out. I'm the world's worst. I try to figure it out. And the the conclusion that I've come to is you can't figure it out because eye has not seen nor ear heard nor mind imagined what God's got in store. Amen? And so we've got to expand our thinking. We've we've got to to allow God to be God and us to quit. As I've said before, some of us need to give our resignation as the general manager of the universe. Because that job's already taken. Maybe the assistant manager of the universe. Okay? But the, the general manager of the universe is already taken. So the thing that we've got to do is expand our thinking of God. We've got to get the mind of Christ which can be in us. Paul says it. Second thing is, we got to expand our looking to God. Because how many times, let me ask it a different way. What do you look to? Whenever pressure gets on, whenever things are not going your way, whenever it's not happening the way you want it to happen, what do we do? Who do we look at or what? Do we look at? If it's finances, we look to our job. What if that job fizzles out? What if you can't do that anymore? Sometimes we look to the banks or credit cards if it's finances. And what we end up doing is getting way over our heads, buying stuff we don't need, to impress people we don't even like. Amen? Because we got to keep up with the Joneses or the Smiths or whoever. we got to have this and got to have that. And we end up way over our heads, way overextended. we got to have a house this size. And we got to have this new car. And we got to do all these things. And we get overextended. And you know what it, what it does to us? It locks us up. We can't give like we're supposed to give. We can't be generous to people. And if we stop giving and stop being generous, that's the two very things that this Bible tells us is our our door, our window to blessings. He says, bring your tithe into the storehouse and prove me. Only time the Lord ever says that in his entire word, prove me and see if I won't open the windows of heaven. And pour you out a blessing, there won't be room enough to contain it. And sometimes that's the very first thing we give up on when we get under pressure. And you have just cut your nose off to spite your face. Giving is the answer. Being generous. I I could take the time to read you all the scriptures that talk about giving to the widows and the the orphans and and being generous to people. 
And in the Old Testament especially, it gave instructions on how to handle your generosity. Kind of a pecking order, if you will, about who you ought to give your extra money to. And what do we do in our society? Most of the time, we give it to us. And in turn, give it to other people to get that stuff and things that we don't even want to impress people we don't like. So the thing that we've got to do is realize God's got a plan, so we've got to look to him. He is what? He is, according to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that wrote it. He's the one that's going to finish it. And ultimately, when we get to heaven is when our faith will be realized. I've shared this with you before. You know, Paul writes and he says, Now abide these three things, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. When I was a young Christian, I pondered that point. Why was the greatest of them love? I mean, faith super important. Do we put a lot of emphasis on faith? Hear a lot of messages on faith, probably more messages on faith than we do anything else. We talk about hope. As I've shared with you many, many times, hope is our elevator to get our eyes off of this world. Hope is that one day we're going to be with Jesus. We're going to be in heaven. This is not all there is. Praise God. This is not all there is. Angie and I were talking about that the other day. There was, it was just one of those weeks. And uh, as many of you know, I've been dealing with this truck and getting rear-ended, and it is, a, so far, the never-ending nightmare, okay? It started March the 5th, and still the saga continues. And now, they've used up all the money on the limits. So, anyway, I'll save that for another time. <laughs> we want, so, the week before last was just one of those weeks. And I said, I, we were talking about it, and it's like, you know, just it's just headed south in a hurry. And I told her, I said, I am so grateful that this is not all there is. Because at this point in my life, I would be so dadgum disappointed if this was all there was. Amen? I mean, it's like, no, 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 no. This, this is not all there is. And this can't be all there is because this sometimes just stinks. Amen? And I think, it, I think the Lord uses these instances to give us a hunger As I've shared before, I used to hear the old-timers, they'd say, oh, I'm really homesick for heaven. No. No, you can't be homesick for a place you've never been. You can be homesick for home, but you can't be homesick for a place you've never been. But now, as I've gotten a little longer in the tooth, I understand exactly what they were saying. It's not that we're homesick. I'm just sick of this <laughs> and ready to get to heaven. And I understand why Paul says, you know, they threaten him. Paul, stop preaching or we're going to kill you. Oh, please, would you? Because <laughs> to me, uh, to die is gain. Amen. Because he's going to go to heaven and be with the Lord. But until then, it's Jesus and I'm going to keep preaching no matter what you say. I understand why John said, even so, Lord, come quickly. Amen. I understand these things, and I'm beginning to understand them more day by day by day. And the thing that we've got to do is realize that Jesus is the answer. Amen? And that us look into him, the author, the one that, the, the one that transpired it all, 
and the finisher of our faith. Instead of looking to our positions or our income or our jobs or anything else as some sort of something that we can rely on, because I'm going to tell you something, this life is so fickle. Our, our things in this world are so fickle. They can, they can go away just like that. As a pastor, I've talked to people who one day were just absolutely everything going their way, and the next day, it, the tide turned. And if we've got our faith all tied up in that kind of stuff, then guess what? We're going to be very disappointed in this life. Us, us guys especially. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in it. This has been one of the interesting things that I've done for years in counseling. I ask people, who are you? Okay? I'm looking at Mark back there. If I was talking to Mark, I would say, tell me who Mark Mitchell is. And guys are worse about this than the women. I work for, I do, it's about our jobs. It's about our positions. I'm a fireman. I'm a policeman. I'm a plant worker. I'm, you know, all these kind of different things that we answer. And, and I mean, I got to say, if somebody says, who are you? Well, I'm a preacher. But what if all of a sudden you couldn't do that anymore? Women tend to answer that question in relationships. Well, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm, I'm telling y'all... 25 years of research by me. <laughs> and that's the way typically 99.9% of the people answer. And we guys get all tied up in that. And if all of a sudden we're unable to do what we're, what we're all about, then guess what? We kind of lose our identity. I've talked to many, many people because of an injury, because of an illness, because of something. They lost their position. Guys have a hard time dealing with that. Sometimes we have a hard time dealing with retirement. Because for the last 30 years, I've been, and all of a sudden, I'm not. I'm just telling you. So if our identity is in Christ, guess what? He never changes. That's why Paul says in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. In other words, I died when he died. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Not faith in the Son of God, but by the faith of the Son of God. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen? So what we've got to do is increase, expand our looking to God. In every situation, sometimes, and again, I'm kind of, this ought to have been a Father's Day message because I'm kind of picking on us guys. And again, I throw me in the same barrel with the rest of you. Sometimes we want to handle it. Oh, I got, stand back everybody. I got this one. Amen? That's the way we think. My wife one time, she, well, it's not just one time. My wife comes to me a lot. <laughs> and she'll say, well, this and this and this and this is going on. And I start, okay, then we need to do this and this and this and this. She's like, I didn't want you to fix it. I just wanted you to listen. 
Well, I'm a fixer. <laughs> That's what I do. And again, sometimes our, our masculinity sometimes affects our faith. Because a little, little something comes along, and we want to tell Jesus, here, stand back. I got this one. But what if you ain't got it? Amen? What if it's bigger than we are? That's all the more that we need him and that our faith has to be put in him. And so sometimes we need to just, as the Bible says, be still and know that he is God. I've shared this many, many times. But that word know there, be still and know. Because, see, we know a lot about God. And thankfully, I mean, this, this thing right here that we call a Bible tells us a whole bunch about God. And without it, we'd be kind of left to our own accord. It tells us everything we need to do to, to believe in him, to secure our faith, to put our hope in heaven, and to one day, again, back to where, where I was talking about Corinthians, where Paul says, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The reason that the greatest one is love is because it's the only thing that is eternal. Faith is temporary. Because one day, our faith will be realized. That day, when I get to look Jesus face to face, my faith is going to be realized. You ain't going to need faith in heaven. Angie asked me one time, she said, what are you going to do when you get to heaven? What you? And I said, well, first, I'm going to give Jesus a big old bear hug. I mean... And I thought, I don't know if I ever make it that far. I may just fall down at his feet and worship him. I don't know what I'll do. Y'all will be there, so we'll get to see. (laughs) But faith will be realized. Hope, what is our hope? Our hope is this life is not all there is, that there is something more. When we get there, hope's going to be realized. What does that leave? Love. And it's the only thing that's eternal. And why is it going to be the only thing in heaven? Because it's God. God is not all about love. He is love. And so that's why love is the most important. So anyway, this Bible tells us everything that we've got to do to secure our faith, to, to put our hope in heaven, to, to, to one day get there and realize that love is all there is. It's, it's a good thing. Bible, basic instruction before leaving earth. B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> So the thing that we've got to do is realize this gives us a framework, but sometimes we get so caught up in the little in and out of it says this and it does that, and we so limit God. I mean, in the last little bit, I have, I have just been amazed at sometimes how legalistic we want to be about what this thing says. And you know what? God is God, and he can do it any way he wants to do it. It doesn't matter what I think or how I think other than limiting him in my life. So what we've got to do is increase our look into God and say, God, you've got the bigger picture. My, My vision is so finite, so small in comparison to yours. So God, you you thread this whole thing together that I call life. And and Lord, I know what your word says, and it says. That you got good things in store for me. And I know, Lord, you're a healer. And I know that you're a deliverer. And I know that you're a savior. I know a lot of stuff. 
Those of you that have been around me, I read a whole bunch. I read the Bible a bunch. I study a bunch. I know a lot of things. And I'll never forget the time. And you, you think I've just gone off on a rabbit trail and not bringing this back, but it comes back. And you said, mm-hmm. He says, be still and know that I'm God. If you look up that word know in the original language, it's yada. To know. And to use a little phrase, a Yiddish phrase, yada, 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 which we say yada, yada, yada. I know, I know, I know. And I'll never forget the time because I was, I was pondering some stuff and I'm like, God, I know that you're all this and, you know, I've got it figured out. And God says, what you know is yada, yada, yada. That's what he spoke to my heart. Just so many words. And what I need you to do is be still. And no. Not just the logic part of it. Not just the logos of the word, but the ethos and the pathos of knowing it in here. I need you to be still and perceive that I am God. I can, I can take you to the very place I was sitting whenever God spoke those words to me. Be still and know. Not know, know. That I'm God. And that's what this whole thing is about, about looking to God. Because you know what? We can know a whole lot of things. And if we don't know, then we miss the whole thing. 